We are spending the month of December looking at some of the basic elements of Christmas. I mean some of the basic elements of Christmas. We spent two weeks ago, we looked at decorations, and we decided that when it comes to decorations at Christmas, the truth is we are supposed to decorate Christ at Christmas, not the other way around. He's not to be an ornament in our celebration. We are to celebrate Him. He's to be center stage, and we're the backdrop for Him. And then last week, we spent time looking at Christmas trees and decided that the most important tree was a tree probably growing during that first Christmas, growing on a hill outside of Jerusalem, most likely, a tree that, uh, with the passing of time, was cut down, squared, cut in half, and fashioned into a cross in which that babe at Bethlehem eventually was crucified on the cross for our sins. So we're looking at those times of those types of basic elements. This morning, we're going to look at Christmas carols. We're going to look at the original Christmas carol. But the important thing this morning is to make sure Christ's song, Christ's carol, is playing in our heart and in our soul. It comes in handy every now and then to have a Christmas carol at our disposal that we kind of know by, we kind of know by heart a lady named Ruth Marriott tells how her four-year-old granddaughter named Delaney was making quite an impression on her during congregational singing around Christmas. It was in quite a high church, apparently. They were singing a high church hymn. And uh, Sarah was not sitting next to Delaney, but she could see Delaney from where she was sitting. And during this high church song, complicated music, complicated words, Little Delaney was just singing her heart out, singing her heart out. Sarah was impressed with Delaney, so after church, she went over to her granddaughter, and she said, Delaney, I'm so impressed during that complicated song, complicated music, complicated lyrics. You were just singing your heart out. And she said, oh, Granny, I I didn't know that song. I was just singing Jingle Bells. (laughs) Now, you can't do that this morning because we have the words up on the screen. You can't just sing uh, jingle bells. Let me ask you something. How long has it been since you had a trouble-free Christmas? Carols like jingle bells and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year, holly jolly Christmas, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, walking in a winter wonderland, Those all describe kind of a trouble-free Christmas, don't they? How long has it been since you had a trouble-free Christmas? Are you having a trouble-free Christmas this year? Trouble-free Christmases are, are rare, pretty rare indeed. You know, we, we lose a loved one, perhaps. And Christmas reminds us of it. Or we're diagnosed with a serious illness at Christmas. Or we're having family problems at Christmas. Or we're having very expensive car problems at Christmas. (laughs) Or of all times, right at Christmas, our refrigerator dies and Oh my, what do we do about that? 
So it's very rare to have a problem-free Christmas. And I doubt if many of you are having problem-free Christmases this year. It's a rare thing. What place, the question is, what place do Christmas carols have in real life where things are not often joyful and trouble-free? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at Christmas carols this morning. I want to follow kind of the same format we have with the other sermons. I want to begin with today's Christmas carols. Where did Christmas carols as we know them today get started? Quite a history. Done a little research for you. Christmas hymns were originally sung in high church Latin by 5th century priests. The melodies of those early Christmas hymns were complicated. People typically just listened and were not invited to sing along. The lyrics were written and sung in Latin. People couldn't understand them anyway. So they just sat and listened to those original Christmas hymns. Carols, on the other hand, as they were known back then, were only sung outside the church, not inside the church at all. Julian, the historian, English hymnologist, says this, a carol is a song of joy originally accompanying a dance. They couldn't have been Baptists, see, back then. Continue with Julian's quote, the word carol is derived from the Italian word carola or carola air, which means ring dance song. So the early Christmas carols were ring dance songs that people danced outside the church. But they were not welcome inside the church at all. St. Francis of Sissy helped blend the two traditions into carols as we know them today. In 1223, he placed a miniature nativity scene in his church in Gracia, Italy. Other churches began following in suit, and soon people began acting out the events of the scene. And before long, the actors began composing Christmas carols to sing during the uh, uh, event in church. These nativity plays had these written songs to accompany them. If the audience showed great approval for the carol singing, the singers would march off the stage out into the streets singing their joyful Christmas carols along with the people. So the two styles, the in-church hymnology and the out-of-church ring dancing, were blended together and became uh, what we know today as Christmas carols. When I was pastor at First Baptist Church Pflugerville, which is the first little church I pastored right out of the seminary, we had a choir of about 10 or 12 people, and they were a good choir, mostly women. Uh, men wouldn't dare sing in the choir. They were all country guys, farmers, ranchers, uh, mechanics, that sort of thing. Our minister of music, a part-time minister of music named Dennis Gore, when Christmas rolled around, he signed up our choir to compete in the Association Christmas Carol competition. So having signed up, he couldn't back out. 
And as Christmas rolled around, he came to me and he said, Pastor, this is what I've signed us up for. We don't have any men in our choir. He said, can you enlist some men? You haven't appealed to men. Enlist some men to sing in our choir with us in this competition. So I went to these guys, you know, mechanics, and ranchers, dairymen, farmers. Come on, guys, we've got to help out with this. If I go in the choir, will you come in the choir too? So I enlisted about six men to be in this choir. And we rehearsed, but we didn't know music. And so Dennis Gore said, Pastor, when we get there, let you guys just watch me. I'll sing your part. When I sing, you sing. When I stop, you stop. Just keep your eyes riveted on me. And so we, we practiced that way. We just we had our eyes riveted on Dennis through the entire practice. And the day came for the competition. We went. Women stood in the front. Men stood behind them, you know, kind of squatted down like this so he couldn't be seen. But during the hymn, the hymn singing, we just had our eyes riveted on Dennis, focused on Dennis throughout the entire thing. It was funny. Dennis came to us weeks later when they had received the results of the competition. They gave us an overall good score. But Dennis said, and he was, he was reading, our men's section really needed to look around a little bit more and work on not looking so stern or wooden or worried. We were scared to death. Scared to death. Well, today's Christmas carols are intended to be joyful celebrations of Jesus' birth. Wherever we sing carols this Christmas, whether at work or at school or at home, along with jingle bells and silver bells and white Christmas, let's be sure to let Jesus know we're enjoying it. Let's, let's be sure to let people know this is a happy time for us. Let's be sure to let people know, even though we've got stuff going on in our lives, because we, because we follow Christ, because we're Christ lovers, we enjoy this time of year, and we enjoy singing the carols. I had an idea to turn around and look at you all a while ago while we were singing the Christmas carols and see how many frowns I could count. But I thought, no, don't do that. You'll get in trouble. You'll get in trouble. Today's Christmas carols, let's embrace them and bring honor and glory to the Lord in them. Next, let's look at the original Christmas carol. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. I should have announced that to begin with. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. This passage catalogs the first Christmas carol. Man, what a dynamic event this was. Coming down from the unsearchable heights of the invisible world of celestial beings, there is all at once this great multitude. By the way, the Greek word is stratius. It's a military term for army. So there was this army of angels along with the angel who first brought the good news to the shepherds. And here's how it goes. Second chapter, beginning of verse 13. Suddenly, there was a multitude, there's that word stratius, army, of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying or singing, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Wow. 
Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being one of those shepherds out there in the darkness, the stillness, the quietness, nothing but stars above you, and all of a sudden these angels come belching out of the sky singing this great chorus? It was Reverend Edmund Sears who wrote the poem that was later published in the Christian Register in 1850 and then even later still put to music. Let me just read this poem to you. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious King. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. Still through the cloven skies they come with peaceful wings unfurled, and still their heavenly music floats or all the weary world. Above its sad and lowly plains, they bend on hovering wing, and ever o'er its babble sounds, the blessed angels sing. O ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, whose toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, look now, for glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing, O rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. You know, I think it's noteworthy that this original Christmas carol here in our passage is about about Christ's peace. The whole song is about his peace. Notice what the angels said. This peace is available to people God favors. Who does God favor? Well, John 3.16 says God loves the entire world. He loves everybody. He loves everybody. But John 17, beginning in verse 20, says God only favors those who trust and follow Jesus. He loves everybody, just follows some. Obviously, his favor goes without saying. I hope... I hope this morning you've given your life to Christ. I hope this morning you've trusted Him as Savior and Lord. I went to a funeral yesterday, non-Baptist, pretty far away from Baptist beliefs. Very glowing funeral sermon. They never once mentioned trusting and following Jesus. It was more along the lines of God loves everybody. And he does, but he doesn't favor everybody. He only favors those who trust him and follow him. So I I hope this morning as we're gathered here, and I don't know very many of you, so you're safe. I hope this morning you've come to that point in your life where you've turned your back on culture and their draw, and their temptation, and their ways, and their philosophies, and you've turned to Christ Jesus, and you've cried out for forgiveness, and turned control of your lives over to Him, and you've begun following Him in life. Because only then does the Holy Spirit move into a person and gain favor from God. You know, Christmas shouldn't be a hectic time. It should be a peaceful time. The Native Americans that live outside of Taos, New Mexico, have a good idea. On their pueblo, 
from December 15th to January 15th, they observe what they call the time to be still. And as a culture, they devote themselves to just being still and being quiet. Now, I don't know if they're Christ followers or not, but listen, for those of us who are Christ followers, we should devote ourselves to being still and being quiet around this time of year and just being conscious of the great gift God has given us. We of all people should be doing that. If we do, we might just come upon a midnight clear or see the silent stars go by or observe the world in solemn stillness lay. And when the angels sing, (laughs) we might just hear them. Finally, let's look at The new Christmas carol. You may not know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Christmas carol that Christ Jesus wants to put in our souls and in our hearts. You see, when we trust Christ as Savior and Lord, He cancels our sin debt. He cancels our our guilt. He cancels our reason for distrust and and unrest in life. From that moment forward, we 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 begin to sing this Heavenly song in our hearts because of our known and documented eternal home. Something else very significant happens in that moment. Jesus does something inside us that enables us to be joyful in the midst of the real life pains and problems that beset us from every side. What does he do? Scripture says, He puts a new song in our hearts. Psalm chapter 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Psalm 149, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their Maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their King. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy. There you go. A new song. All through Scripture. Planted in our hearts. Planted in our souls. Especially during this time of year. Perhaps the most familiar illustration of this transformation is Charles Dickens' classic work, ironically entitled, A Christmas Carol. Thanks to the work of the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas, Christmas is yet to come, Ebenezer Scrooge is transformed from a sad and empty man into a joyful man who loves life in spite of the difficulties of life. And listen, if Charles Dickens can write about that, we ought to be able to demonstrate it. We ought to be able to live a real and genuine and new Christmas carol. Happens in real life. Except it doesn't come as a result of visitation from the ghost of Christmas past and the Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas is to come. It comes from the indwelling, very willed presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's where the new Christmas carol comes from. 
It transforms us from sad and empty people into joyful people who love life in spite of its very real difficulties. Christmas carols have long been written describing this miraculous phenomenon. We just haven't paid attention. In 1872, Christina Rossetti wrote this carol. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. That's from 1872. The common knowledge of those who have given Christ Jesus their heart, trust in Him as Savior, follow Him as Lord, is He puts a new song of joy in our hearts. We ought to be conscious of it this time of year. Maybe you've heard this. There's a new song in my heart since Jesus set me free. There's a new song in my heart, such a heavenly melody. All my sins are washed away by the cross of Calvary. All is peace and joy. Nothing can destroy. There's a new song in my heart. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we want? Life doesn't get any easier than it is right now. Life doesn't get any more carefree than it is right now. And yet in the midst of this, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the fear, perhaps, he can give us this new song in our hearts. I want it. I'm going to claim it. You can too.